Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. My name is Stephen Ho. I am a comedian and social media digital creator in Los Angeles. Welcome to The Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Thanks for coming on, Stephen. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you nowadays? This might be off, but I, I just saw a TikTok right before I got in here of a girl who was like, yo, if I say I want to go eat Vietnamese food, I'm not talking about eating fucking pho, okay? I'm talking about bun cock, bun sao, bung bao wei. And, you know, she named like 30 other things. She's like, don't come at me with Vietnamese and like say say you want to eat Vietnamese and go pho. And, you know, I, I think that was like, wow, that was so real. Like, yeah, you want Vietnamese food. We're not talking about like pho. We're talking about like gom tam bì cha sương nướng and shit. You know, we're not talking about your regular bowls of pho. She was like, that's like the hamburgers of Vietnamese food. Once in a while it's okay, but we're not trying to get that. We're talking real Vietnamese food. <laughs> yeah, it's it's boring, right? Like we we are known right now, and I'm thankful for this, that we're known for fun, but me, but there's, that's probably like 2% of our menu. Yeah, it really is. And and don't get me wrong, like my parents own pho restaurants. Like we had two when I was growing up and I loved it, but like that was the one, that was one thing that was on the menu. You know, we had like, we had gom yadan, we had like all the other like bong reels, you know, we had all the other soups too. Yeah. Which restaurants did they own? My parents owned restaurants up in the Bay Area. So I grew up in San Jose. They and uh, you know, they their first restaurant was called King Vietnamese Restaurant. And the second one had my dad's name in it called Pha Hai in Mopitas. And did you work on the line with them? Oh yeah. I wasn't in the kitchen. I mean, I was too young. I think when the first restaurant opened up, I wasn't working for the first restaurant. I was in like first, second grade. But the second restaurant, I was in high school. And yeah, I mean, I did the busing. I took orders sometimes. My my Vietnamese wasn't great. I, you know, I remember just getting in trouble a lot. Because <laughs> I was young. I was I was a young wait, I was a young waiter. And like, you know, the guys who were coming in were like these old Vietnamese dudes who just didn't have time for like my bullshit. One old I remember, I remember this. One old man asked for a mukjang gung sak. Right, like just yeah. ginger, and I was like, "Oh, I don't think we have that." And he got, he got so mad at me. Like he was like, "Go get somebody who knows what they're talking about." What do you mean you don't have it? And my dad had to come out and be like, "I'm so sorry. He's, he's young. He doesn't know." And, and did they get the ginger for for him? Yeah, yeah. They they just, you know they shredded up the ginger and gave it to him because of course they had it. I'm like, I've never heard of that before. I don't think that's on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, congratulations on your enormous body of work. Um, it's everywhere, and you know, before I went to see you at Embarrassed by Night, I saw you on the the TikToks and the IG, and it's it's just an enormous amount, and it's it's great content. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. It's been two years of the content creating now. Holy but, shit. It's only been two years. Yeah. 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 Started, you know, end of 2019, beginning of 2020. So can, can you walk me through sort of like your childhood? Did you 
grow up wanting to do comedy? Did you know that that was in your bones at some point? I didn't know. You know, I felt like I always knew it was there. I didn't know that's what I was wanting. I didn't know it was what I wanted to do because I didn't realize like it existed. Because I remember growing up watching a lot of the skits on Paris by Night. You know, these skits yep. were like these guys were like dressed up as women and like they would be do like funny sketch comedy, right? And I didn't know I didn't know that was what that was, but I loved watching that with my parents. Um, and then I got a little older went to college and it was, it wasn't until after college where I took like a theater class at a community college and like, you know, did theater, did a show and realized, Oh, this, this, this is, this is exists in like America too. And that's when I discovered like how much I loved it. And then from then on, I think I was 24 at the time. I like did theater nonstop until 30 until I moved to LA. Shit. That makes sense. What motivated you to go and take that first theater class? Oh, so I I graduated college and I was trying to get into medical school. I was trying to get into medical school. Um, I, I didn't have the grades. So I went and did, you know, the post back, took some more classes, try to get my grades up, try to take some of the classes I missed in college. And, uh, and I finished and, you know, now like I'm applying to medical school and I saw that, you know, there's theater classes at the community college that had a good theater program. So I just thought, oh, screw it. I'll take a class. So I took a theater 1A, I took piano 1A, and I took a singing beginner's class. Oh. And, you know, it, got, it just kind of snowballed from there. When you say, like, you finished all the requirements, like OCHEM and physics and MCAT, like, you got that all the way? I did. Yeah, I did all of it. Man, that's a that's an uphill battle to get all that out of the way. And did you end up yeah. applying? I Yeah, I ended up applying, I, and I, you know, didn't get in. Damn, how did that feel? Fuck, I mean, it feels shitty, you know, because you spend, you spend, I mean, I spent a lot of time trying to like get the grades up. I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. You know, I think it was like a good year and a half just trying to like take classes, trying to grind, got a job as an EMT to like boost my application yeah. status, you know, like, oh, I do medical, you know, look at me. Um, but yeah, no, it wasn't, you know, pretty shitty. It was, I think it was after that. It was after I realized I didn't get in where I was just like, oh man, like if this was all for nothing, I might as well just go do something I want to do. And then that's when I took the theater classes. Right. And then when you were going through all that, were you doing that for yourself or would you think you were doing that under your sort of like your parents kind of wishes and dreams? I don't know what I was doing it for, man. They never specifically pushed me into that, but they like, you know, there was always pressure to do something Um do something great and I, like i have three sisters and they're all very successful in their own rights they're all all always academically successful and like you know they always had good jobs and i always felt very insecure about that so i thought man if i could just become a doctor hmm. like everything would just fall into place like you know they'll like look at me like oh yeah look he could do it too you know um i think it got worse when i got to college and i met some of these guys who i thought like i became really good friends with and they were all you know one was going to be, a, one became a physical therapist, another guy became a dentist, another guy became a lawyer, and we were really good friends, and they were all like these high achievers, and I thought, oh man, you guys are doing it, I'm doing it too, like, what else is there to do here? So I wouldn't say it was necessarily for me, it was just, you know, like I saw the people around me doing what they were doing, and I thought, oh man, I got to keep up somehow. God damn, but before we get into like the career, the work that you, you're doing now, I want to kind of explore that a little bit more, this idea of like, we take these paths and these routes in life and we go down one avenue and it doesn't work out 
and other things start to kind of like develop. Looking back on that, was there any signs of like maybe you could have started a little earlier with the theater, the piano, the the the, the singing? Was it in you? The seeds in you? You know, it's hard to say. I want to say it always has been, because you know, family gatherings and like things that I knew I kind of wanted to try out, but I was too scared to. Like I like I joined choir in middle school. Like I wanted to perform. I knew I wanted to perform. I just didn't think that like it was like an insecurity. Like oh, to perform? What? That's weird. Like no, I don't really know anyone who's doing it. Do I want to do it? No, no. You gotta focus. You gotta take like you gotta take like the electives. You gotta do the sports. You know, like that's what's gonna take to get into college. You need you know, yeah. You need Spanish. You need you need to take Spanish to get into college. You know, you can't be taking theater. Like no one goes to, like I've, no one around me was doing it. She's like, well, if no one's doing it, then like I shouldn't be doing it. That's weird. I know uh, young kids in high school listen to the podcast because sometimes it's been uh, required viewing from some of the high schools that I've been giving talks at, and they probably know of you. And to hear the journey of somebody who is kind of wandered through life in the early, you know, in your twenties, and then stumble upon what you're meant to do, I hope that some kids can just have the courage after hearing about your life and other artists that come on the podcast that they should be exploring these themes a lot earlier for themselves and and going for what they don't know exists out there yeah yeah it's it's hard though you know because if you were if you grew up like me right and nobody around you was doing it and your parents weren't talking about it and nobody i knew was talking about it it's hard to know that it's there yeah you know um i just you you have to stay curious i was so i was so like i had this like weird tunnel vision where i just like okay this is i like this is what they're telling me to do this is all that matters to like you know get a good job get a good family go to college going to college was big for my parents they wanted every single one of their kids to go to uc and to their credit they they put every single one of us you see college with minimal debt and you know they were like immigrants they like they ran like clothing sh shops and like restaurants and you know they they got it done so if it, it felt it felt there's i don't know i think there's this weird thing with immigrants immigrant kids where we're just like man they they sacrificed a lot for us like that's not that's not you know let's stay the course let's yeah. not get too out of line right there's we don't have time for this <laughs> you know yeah, I, I think that. But yeah, for, for sure. For sure, man. Like these kids, like if you can, like explore, take a class, you know, you think you don't have time. But I mean, I started this. I started the social media thing at 30 years old. That's crazy. That's so crazy. So were you still an EMT at the time when you started? When I started uh, the, the content creating? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I worked as an EMT since uh, I think I won that since I was 22. Maybe even before that, I was it was I, I took the EMT course the the summer before senior year of college, so yeah, I I moved down to UCLA, I moved down to uh, LA, and I was still an ER technician EMT worked during COVID, and that was kind of what like spurred the videos, made a bunch of videos about COVID and what was going on in the hospital. So you 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 were an EMT for that's like many years, right? Yeah, Good. oh yeah, I was I was an EMT for ten years, two years oh, on an ambulance. And eight years in the hospital. 
Wow. And and what gave you the impetus to create these videos? I I needed a creative outlet. Like that that was the biggest thing because when I the reason I moved down to LA was to pursue an acting career. Wow. I was I was in the Bay Area working as an EMT and I was auditioning for commercials. I was doing theater year round. After I, after I took that theater class, like I was like, oh my god, I have to sign up for the conservatory. So I got I ended up getting associates in theater while working full time as an EMT. That that took like two years while doing like theater shows at night. Like I had I didn't, I didn't sleep at all. Like if you're young, if you're in your early twenties, mid twenties even, dude, fuck sleep, man. <laughs> like I know people say you need sleep, but like you need sleep later. Like if you're in your twenties, yo, just fucking grind. And I, I was, I was, I was, I would work all night, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I would sleep, I would drive to the college, sleep in my car for three hours, have classes from 10 to like four, take another nap and have like the shows and rehearsals from, you know, seven to 10. And it was just like, it was, it was just like that for a while. And I loved it. See, if, if people land on your IG or your TikTok pages and they just see the content, they just see that there's this funny guy and he's giving just great insight on that EMT world and switching up on, on, but to sit here now in the last five minutes to hear what it takes to even get to that point to create, there was a lot of discipline that was instilled in you for those years to even get to the point where you did years in EMT and then start making the videos. So by the time you get to making videos, the consistency of living and your administrative sort of like skills is like at another level. So by the time you get to the video side of it, it's just now acting. Oh, yeah. It's all of that coming together so tightly. Yeah. It was definitely an accumulation of all those years for sure. And it shows, it shows in what you do, man. It really, really does. It, uh, yeah. When I, when I saw it, when I, and then when I saw the embarrassed by night performance, you know, Damn, I'm not. I'm not gonna say this is between you and me because it's pretty public. But I, how I felt was you're, you're you're the best. You're one of the best guys on that on that stage. <laughs> yes, the delivery, your delivery, and everything is just so perfect. Like the timing and all of that was just like, I was very impressed. I was like, and I came home and I told a few of my friends because they're like kind of cringy, thinking that it's all Vietnamese uh, comedians, and they were like, it can't be that good, right? I was like, no, no, yeah. no, no. These fuckers were, no, these guys are lit. They, they, they're bringing it. Dude, I love, I love that show, man. And like, it's, it's such a different feel to have like all, like not all, but like a lot of Vietnamese comedians and uh, you know, Vietnamese comedians that I respect, man. I, I, I love those guys. Yeah. But yeah like the stand-up comedy. I love it. I love it so much. And it comes from like the, those years of doing theater on being on stage. I needed it again. And when the pandemic happened, it's like, oh my God, I need to get back to like doing theater with people. But it, you know, it didn't, they didn't allow it. So the easiest way to get back on stage was to stand up comedy. Wow. And that's what I did. What, what did your parents, what have you, they been thinking of your, your journey so far? Oh man, you know, it's, it's all no, 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 don't do it. And so the, the checks start coming in. And once they see the checks, they're like, oh, do more, do more. You should, you should do more. And now, now I'm getting advice, bro. Now I'm getting advice from my parents being like, oh, you know, what's a good video idea. And I'm like, you, where did this, where's this coming from? What are you? 
but but they weren't like majorly putting pressure on you to to keep doing the medical route did they oh yeah it was my dad not so much but my mom for sure my dad was always just kind of like floating in the background but my mom for sure was just like you know steven if you come back to the bay because she works for the government she's like come back now we'll get you a job at the hospital you get you a nice pension you work here for the next 10 20 years you retire it's a good life she, she she did not want me to leave the hospital. She did not want me to leave the Bay Area. She thought she thought it was pretty crazy. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure from her to go back to school, get that nursing degree, you know, stay Man, stay at the hospital. Because like for for her, she's she's worked for the government. She's worked for the government for like fifteen plus years, and I, I see her pension. It's great. Like if she retires right now, she's making more money than like just off the retirement i'm like this is insane like how is this possible she's like yeah it works you should do it but she, i was like mom you're 15 years in i can't i can't i can't i'm sorry yeah. and, there, and there's so many kids of our generation or you know, my generation who had to really put their dreams completely out of the picture and do the things that they don't want to do because of the safety because of the survival idea Yeah, man. And it's, and it's all about that for them. Cause like you can't, and you can't blame your parents for that yeah. stuff, you know, like they don't like, they don't know any better. Like they just want the best for you. And like, the only thing they know is this is the best way to do it. Right. They don't know any better. This is the best way to do it. Like, look, I laid off the foundation for you. You should just do the same thing and we have a good life. Just do it. Right. And who can blame them for that? You yeah. know, but like, you really, you really gotta, you really gotta be understanding. Don't fight them. Just like I, I really tried not to blame her for anything. I like anytime, like I used to get mad at her, but like eventually I was like, I can't get mad at her. She can't yeah. see what I see. Yeah. She doesn't know. I have to show her. And you know, eventually as I did, she was like, okay, I get it now. I get Is it. Is there she's still, she's still my mom. She still worries. She's still like, hey, you know, if you're ever sad or it doesn't work out anymore, just come home. Like, you know, just come home, just get a nice job here, you can live with me, I'll split the house. I'll live here too. I'm like, I'm, I don't want, I'm fine. Mom. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to, you're going to have your own show if you want to. And I have a feeling you'll have your own, you know, your Ronnie Chang moment. You'd have your, you know, all of these things that the mainstream Asian guys are having right now. It, it's coming. Oh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, yeah. man. We're working on it this year. feels good. It's, it's the hard work and it, uh, the consistency and showing up for, all these things, you know, the opportunities open up when you really just grind and keep going. And it takes years. Yeah, no, it took, it takes years. And all that discipline just came from like, cause being an actor in LA anywhere, it's just like, Oh, it's just so tedious. And it's every day it's grinding. It's like mentally taxing. And there's like really no money in it unless you're in like that top, you know, 10, whatever percentage I moved down to LA. I was living in a living room for like two years, man. I had no, oh. I didn't have any money. Fuck. so so inspiring you know so inspiring to hear that yeah man it's it's a grind but you know like once 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 you hit that once you hit that stride man like it, it's all worth it no payoff now when in your uh tiktok and and instagram videos did you feel like holy shit i'm getting traction it was it was right after it was it only took like one or two of those tips from the ER TikTok videos. Yeah, it happened. It happened almost right away. I mean, I was making I was making silly videos on 
social media before, but it was like nothing. It was like, you know, regular like little Vine videos, little funny trends. But as soon as I put those, you know, those scrubs on and did the first tips from the ER, it just, it kind of just took off. And I was like, oh, like this is, I just got to keep doing this. And I did a tips from the ER, like, you know, every single day for a, a month, anytime I could. Right. And then it just, you know, it just snowballed. And and how often do you do that now? I try I try to post every day on across social media. I, I backed off from the tips from the ER just because I don't work in the ER anymore. And you know, it it, it feels almost like it's so silly. I felt like I, initially I was like, oh, I don't work there anymore. Like, should I still be talking about it? But then someone was like, dude, you worked ten years there. Like, there's yeah. plenty to talk about. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Exactly. I just don't do it as much anymore. There's like other there's like other content that I post now. Yeah, but yeah, it's every day. It's still every day. Wow, man. And and you know, for anybody who's posting content and doing this work, it's not easy to even keep a month up of doing that. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I have, a, I have a, you know, I have a small team now, so that helps. But, yeah. yeah. And and how do you prepare for each video? I don't know. I'm just, you know, I got a list of ideas. I used to, and I still sometimes I, I do this a lot too. I wake up and I write and I'll film just whatever I'm thinking of, which, you know, I did for nearly a year and a half, but it got a little inefficient. So now we're starting to plan a little bit more. We're using like programs like Trello. My sister actually was in tech as like a marketing manager and she left her job to help me. So she's been really like helping me organize my life and get like helping me come up and with the video ideas and helping me, you know, with my emails. So yeah, man, it's just, you know, you just, I just wake up, I write and I do it. God, that's <laughs> such a blessing to have a sister, you know, be involved with your life. I mean, who else is going to watch you and and care for you as much as a, a sister. Yeah, no, I know. I felt I felt really I felt really good about it. But you know, at the same time, it's like okay, Steven's blowing up. Like, I'm gonna quit my job. I'm like, me too. I want to come. <laughs> like, all right, are you sure you want? Are you sure? I guess. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, I, I'm sure she's probably having a great time. Yeah, no, she's she's loving it. Yeah. Now, w- when when you are um, doing all of these uh, EMT videos and, you know, creating that content on, on social media, were you already doing, uh, up comedian work? Oh man. You know what? I, I, I took a standup comedy class near the end of 2019, right before everything shut down and then comedy just ended. So I was doing, I did comedy for maybe like three or four months right before COVID happened, COVID shut it down. And then, and then the videos happen. So not too long. Just, you know, I, I I just dabbled in it and then everything shut down. And when everything opened back up, I had this huge following. But I had like maybe eight minutes of material, if that. Like yeah. I was new. I had like nothing, right? But like, I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to go do this show at my friend's place. And bro, the line was out the freaking oh, door. For this tiny. I didn't like, I was like, oh shit. Like you guys are here to see like i had nothing to say you know we filled up that entire space and i got up there i was just like hi everybody and it scared the crap out of me i was like oh i can't do this i can't just have people pay like 20 25 bucks for a ticket and have nothing to say <laughs> you got eight <laughs> but, minutes you know, kept at it 
Yeah, no, I like if that I had, it, maybe eight minutes, you know, it was like, you know, having it was like dick jokes because that's what every comedian starts off doing. Yeah. Man, so you know how like, fortunate, you know, fortunate you are to have that fan base going into stand up because, you know, everybody's that's everybody's goal, right? Is to to be able to make sure that you put butts in the seats as a comedian. I mean, that's that's the name of the game. Yeah. If you. Yeah. And then to come out of the gate with with uh it's like the reverse problem it's like you have all the fans but you have no material yeah man yeah it will it and it's been it's been a great problem to have recently like i recently did a my first like 45 minute set and it's just like bro like there's people here i did 45 minutes but it was a terrible set and it's like oh man i really gotta figure this out because we have the audience we don't have the show i gotta put the fucking show together how do you how do you know you were bombing I mean, I know I know some comedians who are just so out of touch with reality that they refuse to believe they're ever bombing. And it's like, okay, dude, come on. Like, yeah. let's be real. But like I I know I've I get I have a strong sense of when I'm bombing because I, I feel like I know what it feels like to have a really good show. Mm. Like I know what that feels like. And so like if it's not that and it's like far all the way to the other yeah. opposite side of that. Then yeah, like I like that's what it felt like. It felt like bombing. But 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 in order to get like a good show, you probably need to be on the road in random cities, random uh, stand up places to do maybe a year or two to get that rhythm, to get the content, to get all of the material sort of worked out in about a year or two. You don't have that luxury because you have people waiting to go to the show, but you don't have. So how do you work around pumping in this material in a short amount of time? no idea man We're, like, <laughs> you're, like i'm figuring it out right now like i have a tour set up for this year i'm going with my buddy jack jr and we're like co-headlining shows so like you know i've done i've done 45 minutes a few times now uh only it only felt decent once so and i and i asked other like comedians i've asked like you know comedians who have done it for a while like dude because here's the thing when you're going on the road and for an actual show, there's a host, a feature, and a headliner, right? The host will do 10 minutes and he'll like bring up the other, the feature and the headliner. The feature will do typically 20 to 25 minutes and the headliner will do 45 to an hour. Like I felt like I got the 20, 25 minutes down. And I ask everybody, dude, how did you jump from 25 to 40? And they're just like, you just got to do it. There's really no in between, between 25, between feature and headliner. Wow. You just have to like try the 45 and you get it right. Fuck. So, because I can imagine right now. a month, every month, if you're like out on the road, you pick up a good three to five minutes, right? Like if you're out there and you're just writing new material, and you're testing shit out. Yeah, man. Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I know comedians who have been doing it for years and who have finally got like a solid four to five minutes set, who finally get the opportunity to go like headline if that. So, you know, it just, it just shit. depends. Just that is a lot of fucking pressure, man. Yeah, but it's good. It's a good problem to have. Like I said, what what what's your uh, process to write these bits? Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around—a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Process. I mean, usually, usually like I have like, you know, the notepad on my cell phone. Yeah. I write down anything that just comes to my mind. And I'll try to write, I'll try to, I'll try to write down something before I test it out. Like I used to go to a lot of open mics in LA. Yeah. But you pay five bucks, you get up there. There's like 10 other comedians who also paid five bucks who don't give a f- crap about what you're saying. Most of them are on their phone. So you just go out there, you try, you say it out loud. If you can get like a <laughs> a chuckle, like, okay, this might work in front of a 20 person audience, yeah. you know? And then from there you go like, you, you go do your show, you go to your 10, 15 minute spot. You do 10 minutes of like the good stuff. And then five minutes, maybe you mess around with like a, And hopefully it works. And then maybe work it and rework it. Hopefully by the end of it, you get a good two, three minute bit out of that 15 minute bit that you started with. Yeah. Wow. It's such a, it's such a, 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 a huge work, uh, a, a massive effort to, to really get these small, you know, minutes to add up into a full, a full show. Yeah, man. Yeah. I love it though. I love it. And and what about acting? Are you are you going out for um you know you auditioning for acting uh, roles? No, I had to. I had you know I had an acting agent when I got to LA. I had to drop them when the social media thing was really blowing up because I just got I got so busy and I haven't gotten back to it since. Isn't that ironic? You know, you start out with one thing and your love of one thing, but something else takes off and it's just like it totally derails your 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 plans and. Yeah, man. And, you know, I talked to a lot of my friends who are in the social media, like who are, you know, some like where I'm at, at my level. And they're like, yeah, like, why would we go back to auditioning for movie jobs? We got this. This is almost better. We have yes. so much more freedom. You know, we get paid more. It's it's hard. It's hard to like, it's hard to be in this social media place where it's like, it feels like the golden era of social media. Yeah. It's hard to be in this place where you're so successful and then going back to having to like answer to like casting directors and be on set for like 12 hours at a time just for like, you know, a couple of minutes in front of the camera. It's just, it's a lot. Being an actor is hard. Being an actor is very hard for those of you who are trying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, all those skills that you pick up as an actor and the training, um, it shows. It shows on the quality of the delivery of what you do with your videos. Yeah, man. I I, I hope so. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not an accident, right? Because you know, there's a lot of people we you know tr- that try to put these videos together, put the the content together, but it doesn't materialize in a way that they think it materializes. It, you know, it doesn't bring in the views, and a lot of that has to do. I, I'm I'm pretty sure with the amount of training that you do. I, you know, I, I think so too. But then again, then, then, but like, you know, again, I'm the same way. When I started this TikTok thing, I was looking at people doing like these dances or just like these, whatever they were doing. I'm like, hey, this can't be that hard. <laughs> I'm looking into like, what, what is this? And then I tried it. I'm like, okay, yeah, it takes a lot more. It takes a lot more effort than what it looks like. But you know what I mean? Like people looking in, it's just like, oh, you just, you're just eating in front of a camera. Yeah. I'm like, I could do that. There's so much FOMO when it comes to the social media stuff. Everyone's 
everyone's just like, oh, shit, they could do it. Like, I, I could do this. I'll try it too. Okay, let me let me ask you then. What is the what do you think the magic is? What do you think that that thing is? You know, lately, what the magic is for so, social media, social media and TikTok, it's just like being like this authenticity. Like so much of what I'm seeing on TikTok and social media now is like people talking directly to the camera and just being like, "This is me. Get ready with me while I go do this. This is my life." Okay, let me tell you the story while I like cut a fruit. Let me tell you the story about my life while I put on makeup. You know, it's a lot of that or like podcasting. That's why pod- I think like that's why podcasting is so interesting. Like I'm just going through, through social media. I'm like watching people talk, just podcasting. It's just like because they're having a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not it's not it's not too glammed up. But that's why so many of these comedians are killing it in the podcast game. Yeah, man. Yes. Yeah. Are you ever uh, going to get you? You got to get into it. Right. Oh God, you know, I thought about it. It's just it would it would it's just another thing to do. And I don't yeah. know if I'm ready for it yet. But I am I'm thinking about it, but I don't know. <laughs> we need you. We need you out there. We need you out there <laughs> in the podcast game. There's uh there's not a lot of Vietnamese people doing it. Yeah. That's the thing too. Like if I do it, like I don't know what I'd be talking about. Is it talking about would we be talking about being Vietnamese? Is it talking about the ER, the medical stuff? What type of guests am I having on, you know? I thought about it just like is it going to be like a tips from the er podcast <laughs> or would it be like you know comedians vietnamese comedians i don't know yeah but I mean, you could go anywhere you could go everywhere because i think in the beginning when you sort of like start with the podcast it can be about er and bringing er stories and all that and then you slowly open it up Right, you slowly open it up to more broad, general, you know, relationships and all kinds of shit, like Tiger Belly. You know, it's like now it's mm. just about fucking anything. Yeah. But you know, I think starting out with the ER stories because that's a very interesting topic too. You know, um, what goes on in in the ER and 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 all that. That which is actually, I have several questions about that um, today. I, I really do want to ask about the life and death aspect and how close you get to people dying on the job. Oh yeah. I mean, shoot, it's the ER, you know, happens all the time. I think I like, I think on average, if I work three 12 hour shifts a week, um, at, at least one person, I'll be involved with at least one person's death, you know, you know, we're doing CPR, Sometimes, but you know, sometimes like, like I like, cause like it's the emergency room. So we take care of patients and we try to stable them, keep them stable. So they go to like the OR or they go to the ICU or they go to other units, right? The emergency room is like, make sure they don't die yeah. and then get them somewhere else. So I don't always necessarily see what all end up ends up happening. Sometimes we'll call up and be like, Hey, remember that guy that was sent to OR yesterday? That was an accident. Did he make it? And they'd be like, yes or no. So like I'll find out the next day, but you know, at least once a week, there will be, uh, especially where I worked at in the Bay area, there will be, you know, a trauma that comes in where the guy just doesn't make it. And is there any time where I know this is like fucking glamorizing from movies and shit, but somebody reaches like out to your hand and they like give you their last words and be like, yo, I'm going to die. And I just, can you tell it to my family or, or anything like that? No, I've not. I have not had that happen. Because usually in the ER, 
it's because I mean that's more of like people who are like might that that sounds peaceful, right? In the ER, if someone's like dying, dude, we're and if they're not supposed to die, we're doing everything we can to freaking keep them alive, which means like we're sticking tubes into every part of their body, we're doing CPR, we're like trying to stop the bleeding. It's it's controlled chaos. It's never like you know, yeah, um, it's never too quiet, right? It and and has any of them ever affected you like a kid or you know if somebody affected you and you just brought that shit home and you just you know really affected you for a few days oh man yeah no oh, yeah there's there's there was a couple that um <laughs> there was a couple i mean one one in particular was it was it was the 4th of july man and 4th of july it, it happens like clockwork every year. Somebody gets their freaking hand blown off from a firework, right? And one year, this freaking kid comes in. It was his mom, dad. He was 12 and his younger brother was like eight years old, right? And they brought the 12-year-old in because they were at the beach and they picked up, a, he picked up a stray firecracker off the beach and it blew up in his hand and his hand was gone, bro. His hand was gone and we're we're in there like trying to like console his parents and we're all pretty sad about it because he's 12 and you look at the kid and guess what he's doing man he's he's consoling his eight-year-old brother being like it's okay we'll still be able to play football i'll just use my other hand and i'm just like dude how is this happening right now god like that they was like i that struck a nerve and i don't know how long it stayed with me because we we rarely we rarely do this thing where we like okay let's acknowledge that this happened right mm -hmm. it was one time but we like like i remember one time where like one nurse was like no we we have to stop everybody into the break room we have to like think about what happened and how does everyone feel and that was the one time out of like my 10 years where like we 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 debriefed but every other time it was just like go 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 this is happening it's okay on to the next patient it's always busy too you know don't really have time to like debrief and talk about it. Yeah, man, fucking, you're dealing with death like weekly for ten years. Yeah, yeah. You have such a like, you have such a light attitude about you. You have such a really light uh, quality about the 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 way you carry yourself. You know. Oh man, you have to when you work there. If you take yeah. if you take the, if you take if I took all that seriously and I brought it all around with me, like there's no way I'd be. I'd, I feel like I'd be so. I don't know. I'd feel so shitty about it you know you can't you try not to take it seriously that's why you know hopefully it translates to the er videos like yeah it sucks but like at the same time you kind of gotta laugh because if you don't you're just you keep it all right here and you just fucking crumble yeah but i think you approach it from some you know like a kind of well not like the kid blowing his hand off but more of the absurdity of you know the math uh you know side of things <laughs> you know just commonsensical comedy that that comes from you know people not thinking too too critically about how they ended up there yeah yeah man that all happens too it all happens too we just sit there and just cope me and my co-workers just like can you believe this shit's happening i can't believe this shit's happening <laughs> <laughs> and you know in the process of um as you're going along right uh in these next few years where, where do you eventually really want to land? You know, is it more in the acting arena? Is it, you know, more stand up? Is it more, you know, in the um, 
writing, being on a, a big show like a, the Tonight Show? Like, what 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 is your ultimate dream? Oh man, you know it's a good question. Right now, we're just trying to do as much as possible. I would love, I would love to be known as a stand-up comedian. Wow. Okay. I would love to be known as like not just another TikToker who's trying to like take advantage of his fans to bring them out to a show. I would love to be respected as a comedian, you know, and then from there, like, I would love, you know, I would love to do a sitcom, you know, like a lot of my inspiration for acting came from these family sitcoms like George Lopez, Ray Romano, um, the King of Queens guy, you know, friends, like live four cam sitcoms, which almost feels like theater in a way. Yeah. And when I was trying to figure out, oh, how do I get there? It was like, oh, a lot of these guys started off as comedians. Yep. You know? So hopefully somewhere in that realm where I can be a comedian, but also eventually make my way onto TV, known as a comedian who can deliver lines, just, you know, deliver lines in a very funny way, right? Even do like a game show like Steve Harvey for Family Feud. I yeah. think that would be so much fun. It, it's It's hard to kind of remember sometimes that Kevin Hart, right? Like, you know, if you're like just a kid growing up now and you kind of see what he's doing and you don't realize like that was like a comedian who grinded for a very, very long time for him to get where oh, he yeah, got. And he probably outworked everybody like Kobe, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got a couple books out. I'd, re I'd recommend you guys read it. Kevin Hart had like a crazy. I think he like did it all in Philadelphia where he would like drive every night. It was like maybe an hour or two hours to get to New York to do, to do the spots and come back. You know, he was he, he was grinding for a while and he was like dead broke for a while. You know, he had like kids early, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, man, he's yeah, he's he's someone he's an inspiration. You see what he has now. He's like at the top of the game. But, you know, he wasn't always like that for sure. I got to check out that memoir. I mean, I've I've read so many, you know, Viola Davis, you know, Taraji Henson, Will Smith, you yeah, know. Yeah, Viola Davis had a good one. I listened to her audiobook just yeah, because like she's an incredible like storyteller. Dude, I loved her story Dude. and the way Dude. that she told it. Viola Davis's bi uh, uh, memoir is just, you know, you're just like like peeing in her pants up to like 8 8 years old or 9 years I was just speechless. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I haven't done shit. She went through some, she went, she went through some trauma. Trauma. Dude, Steven, I'm so happy trauma. that like we're connecting on this memoir stuff because it's like the, if if we don't read that stuff, we 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 think that we're like grinding, but we're not really doing shit compared to like what they've gone through. You know, these people who have like gone way. I mean, yeah you, yeah, you actually grind a lot, but you know, but when you when you look back on like the the, no, the nothing, nothing like that it's something something about that like dude something about black women and like their upbringing like i was i i also listened to tiffany haddish's yeah and like the the crap that she went through because she was a foster kid uh, for a, a majority of her childhood man and wow. like some of her stories were just so like oh my god like she she was in a she was in a home one one day where like this old man in a wheelchair found her like stuffing uh, tissues into her bra because she was like, I want to make my, you know, I want to grow my boobs because I'm jealous of the other girls. And the dude's like, I know what to do. Just come to me every morning. I'll suck on them. They'll grow. And she did. Like, she went through this. And I was like, how the hell? God. Dude, 
people go through this and just like come out on top like that dude like the respect i have for black women <laughs> me too i'm the same way growing up I'm, in this country i'm just like dude this is insane yeah viola david you had some crazy shit that happened to her crazy ass shit i mean it's very different from michelle obama's memoir too M you know michelle I obama I didn't get to that one. yeah hers is you know you know really grateful for her family because her, her mom dad grandparents and really everybody around her ecosystem allowed her to flourish but it's not like viola davis or you know uh taraji you know henson or tiffany haddish yeah um, yeah man will smith's one was was pretty crazy too oh i didn't read will smith's one yeah. but did, he didn't have a cushy childhood he did not have a cushy childhood he had a, a very tough father um but oh you, really you see how the tough father really you know what the guy made him the dad made them build like this brick wall in the backyard for a whole year, brick by brick, laying and 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 storing up concrete and then pouring, you know, mixing concrete so they can make a, a wall. It rain or shine, like a whole year. And he keeps bringing up in the whole book, like everything is brick by brick, right? So that's what gave him wow. the the sort of the the tenacity to really and, and now that I that I'm listening to your life. I could see the parallels of the tenacity, right? A decade in the ER and being so close and witnessing death and, and living and and all of the hardships and sort of like, you know, life goes on, you know, life goes on. Yeah, man. You know who else had a fucking crazy one? Is um, Trevor Noah. Oh, 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 born, born a crime. crime. Born a crime. Born a crime. As well, it's been a while. I can't. I can't remember. It. Like, I feel like I. I went. I. I did. I read. I read that yeah. one. Three yeah, years. Dude, oh, so he's one of my favorite comedians. He's one of my favorite comedians, man. Like off air. Like, do you ever watch like the those those little uh those little scenes where he's like at the Daily Show, but they cut because they got to do something yeah, yeah. on break, and he just talks to the audience. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are my favorite clips where he's just being himself. Yeah, and talking to the audience. I fucking love those. clips he's one of my he's like he talks you listen you know yeah he just and he's smart, super smart but his yeah born a crime was what three years ago yeah yeah it, it uh dude, i was in new york um a few months ago and we you know one of my boys got uh tickets to to go to backstage and to go to the daily show uh and we were in the audience and we, were, we went to a taping and um he was talking about like all the places, you know, he's going to go when he, re when he stops doing the daily show and everything like that. And he had mentioned that he wanted to go to Vietnam and everything like that. And then he turned to the crowd during the time that the cameras were off. He turns to the crowd. He's like, uh, he's like, so where should, where do you think I should go? And I yelled out Vietnam. And then he goes, yo, I just told you I'm going to Vietnam. <laughs> he's like, he called me out, man. It was like the most embarrassing <laughs> shit. That's great. Oh, oh yeah. it's so embarrassing. Vietnam, Trevor. Have you been? Oh, yeah. I used to go all the time. Wait, before we get into Vietnam, though, what other memoirs uh, has changed your life or give you more insight? Man, I used and to... I'm so impressed that you've read, like, you know, Viola Davis's and, you know, Born a yeah, Crime I, and I, all this. I, I, I listened to hers, man. That was I fucking loved it. Who else, who else have I read? I used to read a lot. I, I really got into like a lot of the comedians. Yeah. Did I've read Kevin Hart's. Um, I got to do Kevin Hart's now. I think I started Amy Poehler's when I was in New York, but I didn't finish it. 
Oh, there was a lot. I've read, I've read, I've read so many of them. I, I listened to Tom Segura's on Audible. But you know, it, you know, maybe this is a reverse prejudice for me, but I don't find white comedians, autobiographies or memoirs as interesting as black comedians for some reason. I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, you know, for reasons. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. I don't think Tom Segura is white. I'm pretty sure he's Mexican. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Unless yeah, it's Bill Burr. I mean, Bill Burr is like fucking, he's just fucking just. Yeah, Bill, Bill Burr had a, some like a pretty traumatic childhood too. I think his dad really fucked him up. Yeah. And, and, and how would you get, how would you get to the next level if you're not reading these memoirs and these autobiographies of these, you know, people that you emulate, right? Yeah. No, like that was, that was the whole reason. I'm like, dude, like if I could just, if I could just learn from these guys, like how do I get to them? Like they won't talk to me. So I said, screw it. So I'll just try to read their their stories through their books and i've been listening to uh kevin hart has a podcast now called comedy gold mines where he talks to like you know the biggest comedians and he just goes down to like you know tell me how it started tell me what happened and listening mm -hmm. to that podcast has been really helpful yeah and just learning about like what they went through how long they had to grind for ali wong's oh ali wong's was incredible too Oh shit! I have hers on my queue. Like that's because one of them. she's she was grinding for like ten years before that first special came out, and out of nowhere, she just blew the f up. But she was grinding for a long time, man, long, long time. Right. Those are first those are the next ones: the Ali Wong one, the Kevin yeah, Hart gotta, one. You gotta, I mean, you know, Vietnamese. <laughs> you gotta listen to the Ali Wong one. What yeah, you? you know, for all the kids out there listening. You know, it takes more than just doing the work of just, you know, like for you, it just takes more than just writing. It just takes more than just showing up. It's now you got to like be constantly bombarded with the inner circle stories that these people are putting out. And it's it's out there for us to consume. It's out there for us to learn from. I mean, and if we're not learning about this stuff, then there's no way like, you know, Chappelle, you know, starting out so young uh, on the comedy circuit knowing that these people put years and years and years and then they're just not doing the circuit but they're doing the work that is required way beyond you know any kind of in order to be the best like a kobe you have to be doing the work and you have to be doing the cross training and other shit that that's that's out available for you oh yeah man yeah you got to be you got to be multi talented whatever that is you got to be like a triple quadruple threat you got to do it all these days yeah. Now, going to Vietnam, you know, what what's your thoughts on all that? Like now or when I when I went when we when you went when you went back the first few times. Oh man. You know, it's it's good like it's it was very I was so appreciative of my parents taking me there when I was at that age cuz like it was a it was a culture shock cuz when I went I forgot what year it was, but it wasn't like what it is now. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty touristy now. You know, they got like, I think they got like in Saigon, there's like a Stark Tower, which is like a hotel. It's a it's exact replica of the Tony Stark Tower in the Iron Man movie. I mean, when I went, like Wrong. I, think, I think I think what really broke me was when I when I got there and I saw these beggars on the streets without legs and they were using like this step stool. Yeah in one hand to carry their body and a hand another to like push them. And then they were asking not for money, but to buy a lotto ticket. Yeah. And I was like, like, I felt like I, that's what I like. I felt like a change in my body. And I was very young when I saw that. I'm like, oh, shit, people live like this, you know? 
And also, it also, you know what it also taught me when I got there? That like some of these people who are like begging for money or buying lotto tickets, they would they would just, we would be sitting in a restaurant eating and they would come into the restaurant not knowing anybody and just like, hey, do you want to buy a ticket while we're eating? And it's like, no, oh, eating's kind of, it's kind of rude. Like, is the store owner going to say anything about this guy? No, they don't say nothing. Yeah, you buy a ticket? No, fine. And he sits at a table, doesn't order anything. <laughs> I'm like, can, can you imagine if that happened in America where like you're in an established restaurant and like some beggar came in and like was asking them for you to buy a lot of ticket? You get shoot out of there, right? Yeah. But I think it comes down to like, oh, like these these are my people. You know, there's no racism here. Right. Like I'm not trying to like kick them out. Like, like I feel for them. Like, like this is, you know, my family. Just come in, you know, do what you have to, make some money if you can. If not, chill and then go. Yeah. You're not hurting anybody. Yeah. But I think it's like that nature of a homogeneous society where everybody looks the same, everybody sort of speaks the same language, and there's no alienation, right? Everybody's like, oh, okay, well, they got their legs blown off in the war or the remnants of, of, of a past you know, war, and we're going to accept that, and it's fine. And I think there's this karma value, karmic value of you know, Asian countries where they're just like, okay, we, we accept that. But in America, it's a little bit harder because you know there are different socioeconomic uh, forces at play that don't allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. 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 It's a, yeah, man. Being in Vietnam, like at an early age, really, it was great. Yeah. Taught me a lot. What, have you done any stand up in Vietnam? No, I haven't, been, I haven't been back to Vietnam in years. Yeah. Do you know uh, Fred Lay? Yeah, of course you do. Uh, Fred Lay, embarrassed by night. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he yeah. he's told me about a few comedy clubs, stand up comedy. There's a stand up comedy scene now in Vietnam. Really? Yeah. Oh man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, you should talk to him about it next time, man, because that would be you know because it's in English. You know they have stand up comedy uh, clubs in English. Oh shoot, that'd be awesome. Yeah, no, I, I just I just got off the phone with Andy like two days ago, right before the weekend, where I I found I finally. I found it was a decent venue to do the next Embarrassed by Night in uh, Monterey Park. Like, no, we got a we got a good place. They're giving us a good door deal. I think it's a, the right venue. Like we should do it in Monterey Park. Yeah, my backyard. Is it? Yeah, I live in Alhambra. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 at uh. It'll be it if it works out. It'll be at the uh the Marriott in Monterey Park. They got like a nice little spot in there where they're like, yeah, if you want to do it here, we let you do it. Dude, I'm gonna let me know because I'll blow it up. I'll get all the friends to come out and check it out. Right? I've yeah. got to do it work. I told Andy, like, yo, man, like as soon as because he was he he was he was an SF for the games, the football games. So I was like, well, as soon as you get back, let's check out the space together. Let's make it happen. I love that nice. show. And then you guys <laughs> are doing a, a show coming up, right? In the 28th of January. I, I can't make it. They're going to San Jose. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And then what what when when are they planning? When do you guys want to do the, the Monterey Park one? Uh, I think we're trying to get it done by the March or April, if it works out. Cool, cool. I'm I'm excited. I I look forward to all the work that you brothers are putting out there, man. I love the the whole idea of Embarrassed by Night, and I love what you're doing, Stephen. Thank you so much for you know coming on to the show today. I, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Love always love talking about this stuff. Very cool, man. We'll talk soon, and uh, next time we'll talk about some more memoirs. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Ken. All right, Stephen. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok 
at the Vietnamese podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcasts. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.